This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. If we're going to be around in 30 or 40 years, one of these kids today going up and back on skateboards, going out there and doing stuff, getting in trouble, but overall, getting educated, becoming a better citizen. And when the T-1000, the face of evil personified, it doesn't get worse than somebody who has that kind of power. It's not a super man with a cape and flies in the air. It's somebody sent from the future with all this almost credible capability. Almost. But we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. We just know that there's always evil lurking out there. We have to believe in the future. And if we believe in the future, then we have to take care of the present. Those kids who are the children today, who will be our future tomorrow and We don't know which one of them is going to rise to become the John Connor of their generation. We need to make sure that whether it's John Connor or Janet, whoever it is, we protect our children. Trousers and motorcycle boots And a black leather jacket with his name on the back He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Ride Radio His name is New York Mike And welcome to the show This is Roll Right Radio on New York Mike I want to talk about rolling to remember About Memorial Day in Washington, D.C. I want to talk about other things But you know, before I get into the rest of the podcast which I promise you we're going to be talking about rolling to remember. We're going to be talking about riding motorcycles across the country. Yeah, baby. (laughs) But after listening to the comments that President Biden made in Buffalo, I just want to reiterate what I said on Roll Right Radio, that blaming everything on white supremacists or guns or racism is not only exploiting tragedy for political gain or political theater, it's dangerous. It incites violence and revenge, takes away the optimism that's the most important part of success, growth, hope, hope for the future. It puts a target. I'm I'm so upset over the direction. I mean, look, I don't think that we've been going in the right direction, (laughs) a lot of things. But this president, this administration is just taking us in almost exactly the opposite direction than we need to go. He's putting a target on all white people. What's the sense of doing this? And then we're supposed to target the black supremacists who do. This isn't the way to bring the country together. It's exactly the way to divide the country more than it ever was. You put a target on white people and the exact opposite of what the real cure the hatred, frustration, and ignorance. The real cure is not putting targets on people's back, dividing the country, and having us 
fight the, I, I mean, that's not the cure. But what the cure just might be, the enlightenment that comes from education, the positive energy that comes from believing in the future, the self-image that's not that of a victim, but of a self-confident warrior who recounts their victories, not their defeats, and sees a path to a better future for their children. I quoted John F. Kennedy the other day, several times. <laughs> if anybody listens to this podcast and knows you real well, they know I'm not a fan. But you got to look at the positive things that some people do. I haven't seen anything positive in this president or this administration. Maybe I'm wrong. I have my uh, Democrat friends out there and send me something that tells me I'm wrong. I'll, I'll listen. I just haven't seen anything. But I quoted Kennedy, who said, a rising tide raises all boats. So now, equal opportunity, I'm not sure about that. Now I want to make a few other quotes, because Frank Sinatra had a plaque over his front door. And that plaque said, good living is the best revenge. Yeah. President Reagan had a plaque on his desk, and I read that plaque, <laughs> and it said, there's no limit to how high or how far you can go if you don't care who gets the credit. I love quotes by people that, you know. And then there's the BLM, Black Lives Matter chant. Yeah, <laughs> wrap them in blankets and fry them like bacon. Of course, referring to the police trying to keep our neighborhoods safe. You know, <laughs> that's, you figure it out, right? Which way do you want to go? Oh, by the way, and then there's my late friend, Indian Larry, who had a tattoo on his neck that was written in reverse so he could read it whenever he looked in the mirror. And that said, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. Yep, it's up to us to see that those who will inherit the world we leave them are better off than we were, better prepared, better educated, better equipped to fight for their own success and for the success of their friends, neighbors, and countrymen so their children can live in an even better world. I mean, I don't think this situation that happened in Buffalo is going to go away, and it shouldn't go away, don't get me wrong. But we have a situation that has to be fixed. And I think I said the right things last time. Yeah, you can go out there and get revenge. You can go out there and just say, I'm going to get even. That's what this Biden guy seems to be promoting. He, he always tries to, you know, show himself as this, this hard-boiled guy from, what, Scranton, PA. Grew up in a working class, you know, like he says, I'll take Donald Trump. Let's go behind the gym and duke it out. and. Well, he thinks he's a tough guy. That's not the way it works. I want to get on to talk about better things, but this thing, this revenge thing, is putting the target on, you know, all these white people because he's blaming everything on white supremacism and racism. That's a racist country. It's not. This is a great country of wonderful people. And <laughs> when I ride across this country, I see so much. and. What a great, beautiful, wonderful country. And I'm just not talking about the scenery. 
I'm talking about the people, the small towns, the people you meet just stopping for gas or getting a cup of coffee you talk to here and there. I've had so much of that. I think that's one of the best parts about, well, no, the best parts <laughs> riding really fast. <laughs> but there's just something about America that I get to see. I get to see it and feel it from the seat of a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And I just love that. So my annual motorcycle to Washington, and it's kind of a selfish thing for me in a lot of ways, but I ride to honor those who died fighting for America. And it used to be every Memorial Day and every Veterans Day, but for sure, this is my 39th year since 19, but you know, I ride to honor those who died fighting for America so we can enjoy the freedom. That's the hallmark of the success of this great country. The Vietnam Veterans Wall, dedicated in 1982, changed my life. And I think in the lives of every Vietnam vet. And I've made this pilgrimage on my motorcycle because riding is my way of feeling that freedom and sharing it with my brothers whose names are on the wall. And, and it's hard to explain it. But from the first minute, and it's not just me, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands. You know, the last Rolling Thunder before it's become rolling to remember, we had over a million bikes, a million bikes in the Pentagon parking lot. So there's a lot of people who ride from all over this country, and I'm sure get that same sense that I want to feel this freedom that I fought for, that they died for. And I can't share all my feelings. I just can't. I mean, it's probably one of the reasons I don't read the book. But, you know, on that ride, not all my feelings, but the love, the anger, the frustration. But I can tell you that the day after day, hour after hour of riding through America, through the wind, the rain, the heat, the calm, the friendly sunshine as well. All of it gives me the time that I've given myself every year permission to wallow in self-pity, self-criticism, self-doubt, those feelings of inadequacy when thinking about all the things I've wanted to do to make what they gave worthwhile, to make their sacrifice worthwhile. When I ride there, one of the things I think about when I, I keep on thinking about all this rhetoric back here, especially now about racism and whites and blacks and divide, I don't think about the people on the wall, those names, 59,000 plus names, and there's probably a lot more. I don't think about them as white or black or Puerto Rican or anything. I don't care. I just wish they were alive. Every single one of them. I go there to thank them, to honor them, to let them know. I don't go there. Look at that wall and try to figure out who are the white guys, Mr. President. I don't know. Each and every one of them. And their families. And the lives they never had. The life I've enjoyed. The children. They never had. The grandchildren, their parents never had. It's a selfish ride. I usually ride alone, just me and God.
and my thoughts. Rationalizations. Yeah. Rationalizing to offset my guilt and my promise to do more with whatever time I have left. Okay, fellas. All right, God. Give me another shot. A couple of more years, and I promise I'll do better. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, and I bet you there's a lot of people thinking the same things, right? <laughs> I, I know. I know. <laughs> kind of like, hey, God, give me another shot. Yeah, give me a few. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm enjoying the ride. I know I am. I love this. But really, I'm doing this for you. My my heart's in the right place. I swear. <laughs> the justifications, the thoughts don't stop. Up and back. I'm not saying it's hard or it's torture or it's, or it's terrible. or it's a, No, I don't want to say it. It's just sometimes I wish the thoughts would go away. And then, again, I give myself that space. It means so much to me to have that. And like I said, I'm not going to share all of it, but it gets crazy. And then, you know, after 24 years of making this ride alone, all right? Well, sometimes I start the ride off with the, with the run for the wall guys. And they always leave out of down here in Orange County. But I don't make it too long with them. I think the longest I've ever gone is two days with them. In that second day, I got to break off. I, I just do. And it's hard. I don't know how they do it. But then in 2007, something happened. And it didn't change all that. But, you know, I've been friends with Robert Patrick for over 30 years. And we would ride. I, you know, he was loving L.A. And I'd see him on the rides here and there. And our mutual friend, Bobby Kraus, we would go riding with him. And it, it just we riding buddies. And he was doing a TV show. If you don't know who Robert Patrick is, he was... The uh, T-1000 in Terminator. So, yeah, they called the liquid chrome and all that. Yep. But he's had hundreds of parts. In it. I mean, he played Elvis Presley's father. And I mean, so many movies, so many great roles. He's just an iconic actor, man. So he was doing the TV show called The Unit, which, by the way, was a great TV show. It was about an army unit that gets deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. And they keep getting deployed, and it was just a great show. But after the third or fourth season that the show was on, and I'm not sure what year it was, but they went on a USO tour. Now, I've known Robert a long time. He's always been a patriotic guy. But when he came back from that tour, and I believe it was in April of 07, and I saw him. I was up in L.A., and I remember those guys coming back. And he asked me about my Memorial Day ride to Washington, you know, riding to Rolling Thunder. And he's always been a patriot, but if I remember right, it was him and some of the other guys who were on that USO tour that went and got these freedom tattoos. <laughs> it was so pumped up. So it's kind of cool getting involved in, in that, especially with your friends who are Hollywood icons. So he asked if he could ride with me that year, and I, of course I said yes. And that was 15 years ago. So after 24 years of riding alone, or once or twice, like I said, with Run for the Wall for a day or so, I had a riding partner. Now, look, there were also sometimes two or three others, um, yeah, some cool dudes that would come with us. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> Dozer and uh, Tony Two Toes, and it became different. 
But it was okay because I still got to talk to myself all day. And then I got to vent at night. <laughs> so it was that first year that we made the ride together that is monumental in many ways. But what I want to talk about today is Robert's presence at the wall. Of course, he joined me at the candlelight vigil on that Friday night with all my Rolling Thunder friends. But it was at the stage at the Lincoln Memorial at the end of the ride that he was asked to speak. I mean, everybody, you know, people recognize him. But he was asked to speak, and he blew us all away. It was definitely spontaneous. He had nothing prepared, but he was fantastic. And later that year, the Rolling Thunder guys, Artie Muller and, and Steve Prager and all those guys, asked him to please come back the next year. So this time, he not only prepared notes, <laughs> but he went over that speech every night. We would be riding across the country. We'd stop in Grand Junction or whatever. And every night, he would read me parts of the speech. He'd be preparing himself. I mean, he looked at this like it was a really big part in a major motion picture. I'm telling you, he treated it just like that. Now, of course, me, who gives lots of speeches without a clue of what I'm going to say, me, who hears whatever I say for the first time, at the same time the crowd hears it, thought that this was kind of funny. But the results of his carefully chosen words and well-prepared delivery was a lesson, not just for me, not that I adopted that style, don't get me wrong, but no, it was a lesson and an inspiration to everyone there. And every year since, Robert's become a part of the infrastructure of Rolling Thunder. At the Friday night vigil, in the general, the camaraderie of all of us sharing everything that we do, at the Saturday night, the awards banquet and presentations, and of course, on the Sunday demonstration ride, and on the stage, of course, again, at the Lincoln Memorial. And over the years, he's found time, and this is the, the, the great part, he's found time to visit our troops, the wounded troops at Walter Reed, and I've been with him, and I've been to Walter Reed of Balboa, on a lot of occasions, but going in there with a major star like Robert Patrick, it's really something to behold and and to appreciate. On the whether it was on the Friday from time to time, it, it's like I don't know where he gets the time when we're there. I get the Walter Reed thing, but he joins his. He's friendly with Gary Sinise, and everybody knows Gary Sinise, and Gary's always doing stuff, and. He'll ask Robert to come over and perform and do, and I, it just fits it in to that Memorial Day weekend. It's phenomenal because, you know, it's like the preparation that he had that second year going across the country when he knew he was tapped to be making that speech. It was the first time. And he spends that. This is the kind of thing that people in his industry, he's an actor. He reads scripts. Yes, he improvises and he adds his own things. He's got to be prepared. And he goes there and he does it. And I know this year we're riding across country. We have, I think we, we're giving ourselves four days because he's got these commitments. And he's speaking at the TAPS event. I'm pretty sure that's with Gary Sinise as well. 
on Saturday. Now, TAPS, I'm not going to get into a whole big explanation here. We'll, we'll be talking about that on the road. But TAPS is the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, okay? And, yeah, I mean, he'll find time. Somehow, some way, he's going to find time to do all this stuff. I'm just reflecting on that in my mind as I'm talking. But in 2020, when D.C. was closed due to COVID, we wrote anyway. I remember when I told Robert I was going, because, you know, we'd be talking on the phone, everything's closed. <laughs> I said, look, I'm going no matter what. He's not going to let me go alone. And we would be on the phone. And, okay, how are we going to get there? What if the hotels are closed? Where are we going to eat? Okay, we got to get sleeping bags, and we got, we got to get tents, and how are we going to do this? I mean, when you think back on some of these things, because we didn't know. So we go across the country, and by the way, joined by my friend Steve Krauss. Steve Krauss says, okay, guys, I'm going to ride with you guys to St. George, and then I got to go back, because Steve's a pretty beat-up warrior. <laughs> I know he's back. He has to go to the VA quite a bit, and he gets shots and all this. So he, he says he's coming with us. He says, only to St. George. Well, <laughs> he made it all the way. <laughs> he couldn't turn back. And the weird thing is, we get there. Now, nobody's on the road. That ride, you know, during COVID, nobody's on the road. We ended up getting into the hotels. I don't remember them being a big problem. It was somewhat of a problem finding places to eat. <laughs> we get there, and then we're invited to the White House. And then to paint the picture. When you go to Washington, D.C. Memorial Day, year after year, it's packed. It's, you know, it's, it's rolling thunder, rolling to remember the millions of vets and, and everything. And now it's COVID and everything's closed. So the streets are empty. Everything's empty. Everything's done. Rolling thunder came to a close and rolling to remember became the successor event only because the AMVETs stepped up and took it over. So there was nobody in town. <laughs> there were about 10 of the AMVETs. Joe Chanelli was one and Jan Brown, who was the executive director. And I, I don't know the exact titles of everybody, but they were there. And then Robin and I got invited. It was a big story. I talked about it on the podcast. It was really quite something. I always say no good deed goes unpunished. But every once in a while, you get a surprise. <laughs> you get a surprise that's like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cool. So last year was the first year Robert actually couldn't make it. And the ride changed. We weren't allowed to gather in the Pentagon parking lot where it's been staged since, I don't know, 88. And you know where it grew to over a million bikes. But the AMVETs took over. We had a lot of problems. I'm not going to start pointing fingers. It was pretty much of a nightmare. But the AMVETs were able, after, and I know the work they put into this. They worked for over six months diligently, one or another, trying to get this stadium, that stadium, consistently trying to get the Pentagon parking lot. But they did get us RFK Stadium, and we had a great event. Rolling to Remember, again, succeeded Rolling Thunder, and... It did a great job at RFK Stadium, and this year will be even bigger and better. And Robin and I will be joined by my combat control brother, Mark Navat. okay? And once again, 
I began thinking about the ride with all my angst and doubts and crazy feelings. I do. I mean, that usually starts weeks before I actually get on the road and something kind of popped into my head as I was thinking that the AMVETs will probably ask Robert to speak. It's just who I am. I think about this stuff. I think about what I'm going to be thinking about. I think about getting to Washington. It's so much there. I don't care what anybody says. I don't call it PTSD. I don't think I suffer from it. I don't know. But you can't say that you've ever been in a war zone, in my opinion, and not have it become a major part of your existence, of your life, for the rest of your life. And it takes up a lot of space in my head. And I, you know, I'm going to do everything I can in my world to give everything a positive spin. That's the way it is. You got to have optimism to be successful. You just do. If you don't believe in yourself, if you don't have some kind of positive self-image, and I kept on saying this is a theme of my answer to what this administration is doing, calling us a racist nation and telling people, taking away their hope. You can't have that. But that's what happens when I think about this stuff. But I was thinking about the AMVETs are probably going to ask Robert to speak at the stadium before the ride. And one of the benefits of not being at the Pentagon, by the way, you got to look at the bright side of everything. We can have speakers at RFK. And I was just thinking that it would be nice to introduce my friend so people wouldn't think he's just another movie star. As I thought about what I'd say, it occurred to me how many people over the years had commented when we've been together, even if you just count the last 15 years of riding cross country, and how many times we stopped, go to a Starbucks, get a cup of coffee, and every time, no matter where we go, and every time we see, it comes up. And the comments that people make about his role as T-1000 in, in the Terminator is just overwhelming. To me, I'm not a movie buff. Some guys say, oh, you made my childhood. Oh, my God. It's a consensus. It's not a random statement here and there. I know he's made way over 200 movies, and he's had some great roles. So I'd like to be the one to introduce him because I just don't want people to think that he's just, because he's not. And, and you know what? I don't want to take it away from a movie star, whoever he is, who lends their name or comes down and gives their presence to the warriors that put it all on the line. I mean, all that. I appreciate Every one of them is uh, one of the guys this year that's a pretty big name coming to help us get some bills passed, some bills favorable to the Veterans Administration. So I appreciate that. But I also want to let people know that, again, I only saw this movie recently. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing to say it. <laughs> To be in front of Robert all these years. It was about two or three years ago. I was talking to Petrina and it came up and I said, No. Nah. She said, What? You haven't seen it. So she got it from me on some TV station. And by the way, one of the reasons I'm not a science fiction fan, really. But you know, it hit me because for sure, 
And I don't think there's such thing as coincidence. I don't. I know that there isn't. Things happen for a reason. Yes, sometimes there's an accident and something falls out of line. But everything happens for a reason in general. So as I started thinking about in the context of introducing Robert Patrick and Rolling to Remember, I really thought about it and I said, wait a minute, this wasn't really a science fiction. And now that I've seen that, it was really a, a metaphor for life and for exactly what we do at the wall at Arlington in D.C. on Memorial Day. If you're not familiar with this brilliant James Cameron movie, it's about the future forces of evil who dominate the world until a leader named John Connor comes along and leads a revolution. The guy has a combination of uh, George Washington and Vladimir Zelensky. That's my little edit. But these future oligarchs who run the world and who have amazing weapons and futuristic abilities realize they cannot beat this great leader, but they can prevent him from being born or terminate him before he's old enough to be elected president. There I go again. So first, they send this Terminator back to the past, okay? He fails. He actually gets converted, so they send a new and improved Terminator back, an amazing bot who can shape-shift, who's got amazing artificial intelligence capabilities, who self-heals any wound, self-fixes any damage. He can become any person he chooses to become, and he cannot be influenced or converted. He can run faster than any car, any truck, and even faster than a Harley Davidson fat boy motorcycle. Yeah, he's the perfect villain, the perfect hitman, known only as T-1000, and they send him back to terminate 10-year-old John Connor so he cannot grow up to save civilization. And here he is, Robert Patrick, T-1000, to remind us that evil is always there, that we must be eternally vigilant, that surely one of our youth, some 10-year-old or even someone yet to be born, must be protected, nurtured, and educated that we have to have the belief in ourselves, the confidence that we can overcome the forces of evil if we keep honoring those who sacrifice so we can live our life by living a life worthy of their sacrifice and by inspiring all of the generations that come after us. It's about the future. It's about the future and it's about the past. We don't know who the next John Connor will be, or who the next George Washington will be. But Robert Patrick is here to remind us that evil will always be here in some form or another. With all the weapons of science or science fiction, a strong will and belief in ourselves and our creator will persevere. And there's no coincidence that this man has ridden his Harley-Davidson motorcycle here to Washington, D.C., 
on every Memorial Day for the last 15 years and is here with the AMVETS today to inspire us that good can't always conquer evil. Yep, the future starts today. And that would be my message, my introduction. And I find these kind of things just, I saw to say weird. They're not weird. It's real life. I don't think I ever thought about it before. And here's Robert Patrick, the actor who plays this incredibly iconic role, what, 30-something years ago? I think it came out in 91? Over 30 years ago. And for the first time, as I'm thinking about this, I link it to Rolling to Remember. I link it to Memorial. I don't know how I do that, but I do it. And I'm sitting there thinking about that. And why is this important? Because of all the actors and actors, and how many? One, two, three, I, I don't know, just a handful that are this kind of an activist spending this kind of time with our troops, USO tours year after year after year, riding across the country every single year for the last 15, for the troops, for Rolling Thunder for years and years, now rolling to remember. And then as having played this incredible role, and you go, wait a minute, that was about the future. That was about protecting today's youth. Oh, yeah, you know, the metaphor is John Connor. But the fact is, we don't know which one. There's going to be a leader. There's going to be a George Washington, you want to call it, Zelensky, you know, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, somebody who's 10 years old today is going to be 35 and 40 years old. What? 20 and 30 years from now. And so we don't know which one. So we better take care of every one of them. That's our job, to make sure that they grow up and to make sure that each kid is the leader that we want our children to have. Think about it. Think about the metaphor of that and how it strikes the realities of our lives. It's critically important. Whenever you go to an event around the country, whatever, you want to go home with having learned something. That's why you go to these things. I always talk about Jay Redmond, but there's others too. But people travel, they go, they hear, they want to be part, and you listen. If you spend a day or two days or whatever it is at one of these great events, why are you going? You're going there because you want to reinforce what you already have that you're already committed to, to setting the world on fire in a positive way, to create, to build, to have a better life, to overcome all the obstacles that are in your way, to build your self-confidence, to find a way. You go to these things. You listen to speakers. And you do it more than once because we all need it. No matter who you are, you always want to be inspired to go one more day, to create one more thing. If you're that person, I want to be that person. That's who I am. So I want to come back having taken something away that's going to make 
me a better person and help me get further down the path that I'm traveling on. So when I think about, yeah, I know Robert, he's probably going to speak. I know he's speaking at TAPS. And I want that reality. It's not a fantasy. It's not science fiction. It's not, oh, he's a movie star. Oh, that's great. He's a movie star. No, he's a real person who played a real part. And that part was an iconic movie that people might have seen it so many times. It was a thrilling movie. A great movie with great scenery and great stunts and this and that. Things blowing up and all kinds of great stuff. And Robert himself, and I know that over the years listening to him speak about, he trained for months and months. The training at 4 o'clock in the morning, going down to Santa Monica Pair and jumping in the water. I mean, it, it wasn't something you just say, okay, oh, you're going to act now. Make believe. That you're a Terminator. Let's see how you're going to go. He had to be trained and practiced, and it's a big deal. And then people see it, and they love it. But how many people think about the fact that every single kid, every kid everywhere, every 10-year-old is John Connor. When they're 10 today, it's going to be 35, 40, 50, whatever. What life experience are they going to have, are they going to gain that's going to, bring them to the place where they're the leader, the president of the country, whatever that leader is, the president, the opposition. I don't know what the word, neither do you. But you know one thing, if we're going to be around in 30 or 40 years, one of these kids today going up and back on skateboards, going out, and doing stuff, getting in trouble, but overall, getting educated, becoming a better citizen. And we need to make sure that we take something away. And when the T-1000, the face of evil personified, it doesn't get worse than somebody who has that kind of power. It's not a super man with a cape and flies in the air. It's a somebody sent from the future with all this almost credible capability. Almost. But we don't know what's going to happen. I've talked about it before. Nostradamus, Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. He wrote that when... Ships were falling off the face of the earth. And he's talking about submarines. So we don't know. We just know that there's always evil lurking out there. We have to believe in the future. And if we believe in the future, then we have to take care of the present. Those kids who are the children today who will be our future tomorrow. And we don't know which one of them is going to rise to become the John Connor of their generation. We need to make sure that whether it's John Connor or Janet, whoever it is, we protect our children. Don't let them get indoctrinated. You know, we see what's going on in the world today. 
we see the, the communism, the anti-American, the distortion of our history, the horrible self-image that we're projecting on just groups of people, telling them either how helpless they were or how horrible they were, or that they're somehow privileged because, I mean, it's all, it's all wrong. And we need to step back, take a hard look, understand what kind of confidence and self-image that we need to instill in the youth of this country so that the future leaders are going to step up with a strong self-image, with the confidence and the capability to lead us going forward. Where are the next Dwight Eisenhower's, Ronald Reagan's, Donald Trump's? Donald Trump might, look, I'm, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to tell you, my favorite president, I think probably the greatest president since George Washington. That's how I feel. And yes, I believe that the 2020 election was stolen, riddled with corruption, and that's my belief. No, I'm not going to tear down the Capitol. I don't want to be called a liar. I don't want these people saying, oh, it's the great lie, which is what they're doing. I want free speech to reign in this country. And I think that's so important, so critical that we protect that. We want our kids to understand. Don't be afraid of the truth, even if it's not your truth. You know, if somebody else says something, Stacey Abrams said she won her election as governor of Georgia. It was stolen from her. I, I don't have anything against her saying that. That's what she believes. And so I believe what I believe. And I don't want to be penalized for it. And I don't want to be penalized for January 6th if whoever's being penalized shouldn't be put into the prisons that they are, political prisoners, they shouldn't be political prisoners. If they broke in, if they damaged something, put them away, give them bail. This isn't the way America should be. So it's up to us to create the environment that John Connor grows up in. Yeah, the metaphor, John Connor. And that's important. And that's why I love the fact there's no such thing as coincidence because I just don't think there's any such thing. Everything happens for a reason. It's one of the reasons why I feel this miraculous thing we call life. How could there not be a God? How could there not be a creator, a force, something that's so powerful, amazingly powerful, because this world that we live in, and we're just finding out we're at the embryonic stage of understanding the universe, the stars, the planets, the galaxies that are out there. We're at the beginning stages. I don't know how many billions of years has this been around. And in fact, does time really exist? 
Is that not just a man-made thing? You know, I say I'm not a fan of science fiction, and I'm not. But that doesn't mean I don't believe in all these theories and try to understand what the bigger picture may look like. I don't spend a lot of time on it because, I, hey, I'm going to get from here to there, and one day I'm going to, you know, pass to the next world, and it's going to be there. I, I believe that. I've never been afraid of dying. I kind of don't like being dead. <laughs> but in some ways, if you love this life, and I can understand, again, you know, it's not like I went to see the Terminator and gets all caught up, oh, this is this. When I see it as a metaphor, then I get excited about it. Oh, yeah. Man, that was brilliant. Oh, yeah. That's, it didn't hit me right away. It only hit me <laughs> when I started thinking about Robert Patrick riding again to Rolling to Remember and probably speaking and then just dwelling in my head if I had a chance to introduce him, what would I say? So that's the podcast, Rolling Across the Country for Roll Right Radio. I'm actually meeting Robert on Monday. And we're going to, where we usually every year have gone and got to Washington by Thursday. One year we got there on the Wednesday. And this year, I don't see any way getting there before Friday. So it's going to be a rough ride. It's going to be rough and rushed. But, you know, we're going to be doing it. So I'll be putting together a Roll Right Radio podcast at least twice on the road. It might be short. Hopefully it's short and sweet, <laughs> but just remember Memorial Day is coming up. Enjoy it. I don't want people to think there's anything wrong. Going to the beach, going in the backyard, firing off some rockets and fireworks and having a barbecue. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I don't think that those heroes who died for us to have a life, who died for us to sit there and mourn, they died for us to, you know, to have a life, to build a country to believe in something that they believed in so much that they died for it. And to kick back with the family and with friends, to have a beer or Diet Coke, whatever it is you're going to do, and, you know, a hamburger or a hot dog. But while you're doing that, take a moment and think about the sacrifice that was made. Think about the future. What is going to be inspiring those kids today not just to be the John Connor, to go into the military, to become cops and firefighters and do all the things it takes to keep a country great, to make a nation great, to defend that great nation. Think about it, because that's the future, and the future starts today. So I'm going to just wish everybody a great, happy Memorial Day. We're going to keep on Broadcasting Roll Right Radio. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like, like this is the last. It's just kind of like, okay, now it's going to be on the road for the next month. Well, it is what it is. Hopefully it'll even be even better. Even better. I'm New York Mike. Thanks for listening to Roll Right Radio, and I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.